This is the Workin' With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. So I'm here today in the Stonewall head office in Clerkenwell in London. Uh, it's certainly a buzz of activity and I'm with Ruth Hunt, who is the CEO of Stonewall. She's been in the role for the last five years, which is roughly when we met over a few drinks mm-hmm. a number of years ago, I think as budding CEOs, sharing our stories and how we could make the world a better place. So welcome, Ruth. Thank you. Hi, Hayley. Welcome to Stonewall. Thank you. So Stonewall is among the most influential global organisations supporting lesbian, gay, bi and trans people. Can you please tell us a bit about the history of the organisation and what has changed over the past 30 years since its founding? So Stonewall was founded 30 years ago by Ian McKellen, who's an actor who plays Magento and Gandalf and stuff like that, and Michael Cashman and Lisa Power and a group of other individuals in response to something in Britain called Section 28. And Section 28 was a piece of legislation that prevented the promotion of homosexuality in schools. And it led to the banning of books in schools. And it led to public bodies in Britain not feeling able to talk about LGBT issues at all. And so these group of people got together and decided to set up an organisation that would be highly strategic, pragmatic, non-democratic, and would do everything we could to campaign for equality for, in those days, lesbian and gay people. And certainly the first decade was spent doing just that, kind of really tackling some of these major legal inequalities. And then up until about 2004, in 2004, the Civil Partnership Act was introduced, which was the first same-sex partnership rights in Britain, and the Gender Recognition Act. I came in in 2005, and what began then was the mission to change hearts and minds. So we, we always knew that changing the law was one thing, changing hearts and minds was quite another. And Stonewall has worked certainly diligently over the last 15 years to do everything we can to change attitudes and to change how people think, live, work, socialise, play and pray with LGBT people. And for you as a CEO for the last five years, has that been your singular focus or has it been something else that you've been more committed to or passionate about within that kind of broader remit? Well, I think in in 2014, when I became chief executive officer, the Same-Sex Marriage Act had just passed. So there was a real sense of job done. And what we were really aware of is that the job was done for a certain demographic. So a certain group of gay people who, where that was what equality looked like for them. But we were also aware that even the most privileged gay men and women who are married still are anxious about hate crime as they walk down the street. You know, they are still unable to go on holiday to places that they want. You know, so there's just clear inequalities. But also alongside that, we knew that there were whole groups of people who were not experiencing that equality. So young people, particularly trans young people, so Stonewall hadn't campaigned for trans up until that point, trans rights, we brought that in. Kids from uh, ethnic minority backgrounds, older people who were from low-income backgrounds. who were ma- So we just knew there were lots of people outside the core group 
who were still experiencing inequalities. But we also knew that the rights we'd fought for were very, very gently held. You know, there was no guarantee, and there is no guarantee, that the rights that were secured in the last 30 years will remain. You know, every day we are seeing different threats to what we thought was held dear. For example, schools teaching stuff. You know, the fact we've got protests outside schools, primary schools, takes us back to Section 28 when they were banning kids' books. So... We're always very mindful that, although it may not be as easy to put on a poster, it's still absolutely crucial that there is a vibrant, well-resourced, professional body watching out for this stuff. One of Stonewall's key priorities is transforming institutions to make them more inclusive. Are there any notable differences across industries and how they are approaching inclusion? And what are the main similarities you see in how institutions can meaningfully support LGBT plus individuals? Yeah, so Stonewall is perhaps unusual for a charity in that we've never been squeamish about working with business. And we think that businesses and employers are the key agents for change, of changing attitudes. Just by simple virtue of their status as an employer, they have access to a lot of people, their influence in terms of their advertising, their products, their messages, their media, their ability to set social values. I have strongly felt that companies and organisations can speak to values in a way that is, is often difficult to communicate in other ways. And what we've seen with companies is a journey from we need to make sure we're not mean to gay people as a kind of starting point, all the way up to a real understanding that if staff are able to be themselves and bring their whole selves to work, they are more productive and they enjoy working, they perform better, they form better relationships. And often look using the prism of LGBT is an incredibly useful way to think about lots of other identities. There are organisations who are quite counterintuitive who do a remarkable job on this. If you look at our top employers list from the last few years, and, and we run something called a Workplace Equality Index, that we make harder every three years. Like it's, it's not an easy, easy jog in the park by any stretch of the imagination. MI5 was our top employer. Then Lloyd's Banking Group was our top employer. Then Pinsent Masons was our top employer. So, you know, what we're seeing, and then National Assembly for Wales, which is the Welsh government, you know, so you, you see it's not about your budget. It's not about your capacity to put rainbows on your products. It is absolutely about a commitment to thinking differently about your culture and about how you can create working environments that can transform workplace culture. You've dedicated your career to activism and advocacy, having spent 14 years with Stonewall. What do you attribute to your success and also your longevity? Well, I think when I came out when I was 13, so in 1993, I was 13 living in Wales and had nothing. You know, there was nothing. We, we, I went to the library and there was a gay section and that was mind-blowing. But there was no reference in schools. There was no reference, hardly anything on the television. And then when I went to university, I was out and did well at university, but was absolutely determined to try and create a world where the barriers that I faced wouldn't be faced by others. So it was quite a, quite a selfish thing to begin with. And I am a passionate believer in making the world a better place. I need purpose. I'm Christian, and that, I think that makes a difference. I know it's not very fashionable to say these days. Uh, so I kind of wanted to do it. And I think the thing about Stonewall is that, so when I started at Stonewall, we were 25 staff, turnover of about uh, 1.7 million. When I became CEO, I'd already held about six roles in that time. And at, by 2014, we were 75 staff and 4.5 million. 
uh, we're closing, I'm leaving on 10 million and 160 staff. And although growth is only one indicator, it's a real indicator to me about how much the demand there is for the work we're doing. You know, we work with 800 employers, 2,000 schools a year. We are training activists all over the world in 80 different countries. We are training young people to become advocates in their local communities. You know, the, the sheer volume of work to be done is quite inspiring. And what we also see is that the homophobic bullying has gone down, but it still exists in schools. We see that suicide rates amongst trans youth is 50%. There is enough to motivate to get doing it. And I think that I've always felt that I hadn't quite finished and there was always a bit more to do. Has mentorship played a role in your career? And do you have any tips for mentors or mentees? I've had a, a, a range of different mentors, some people who assume they're my mentor, frankly. Projecting and, uh, onto you. Yeah, projecting onto me. I find that I am patronised a huge amount. So I'm, I'm quite young. I'm 39 when I'm leaving Stonewall, so I became CEO I, I you, at 34. Yeah. But I did find when I became CEO, the, the number of people who said that I needed them to mentor me was quite overwhelming. I think that one of the things I'm struck by about mentoring is how much the mentor sometimes gets out of it. And that's something we're not always honest about. I have, however, had some amazing mentors who have really given me the space to be uncertain. And I think the thing about a job like this and and the thing about running Stonewall is that you're under a lot of scrutiny, rightly so. We are incredibly lucky that our staff, our beneficiaries have such a close interaction and we have a communities who have a very strong view about everything we do and every decision we make. And there is not an awful lot of room to... To navigate some of that. So so the mentors in my life have been people who've said, you know, Ruth, you, you are you're doing a great job. Have you thought about doing it this way? And and let's think about it from this angle. My approach is I tend to acknowledge mistakes a bit too quickly. You know, I'm I'm the first to say I've I've got this wrong. And I think mentors have really helped rein in some of that self-doubt and self-depreciation and that capacity to to feel overly responsible for everything that is happening. There was a moment last year when I got very, very tired and the attacks on trans communities in Britain has been extraordinarily bad. It's just been relentless. And I felt very, very personally responsible. And it took a very good mentor to say, kid, it ain't all about you. Um, and kind of just just let me off the hook a bit and just sort of slightly knock me off my, you know, ego trip that this is all my responsibility. So I really value the mentors in my life and some incredible men and women who have stuck by me on this journey. So who do you then pick up the phone to when it does get really tough? Uh, there's a great guy called Kevin Jennings, who I pick up the phone to, and he's currently CEO of the Tenement Museum. Uh, used to work for Obama, ran the Glisten campaign in America. He's a, just an amazing guy, has been in this world for a long time and is very wise. I also pick up the phone to, there's a group of women, uh, we call ourselves the Clitorati. We have, we have dinner often. And it's, um, so Bree Stevens-Hall, who's uh, QC at Hardwick Chambers, her partner Paula, who's an artist, and Dina Gornick, who's a executive coach, and her partner Sarah, who's... COO and CEO in Met Police. So just really good, wise women who are good at going, all right, Ruth, okay, it's all right. And and I think it, it's been really important to have those kind of women in my life. And of course, my partner, you know, Caroline Ellis is, is an extraordinary woman who has been involved in this world for a long time and can see things more clearly sometimes. It's very hard when you're seeing decisions you've made being analysed through Twitter 
to kind of believe that that's the frame in which you should consider evidence. And that's never the case. I love it. Don't take Twitter too seriously and never bring on the clitorati. Exactly. More clitoratis in all our lives, frankly. Yeah, yeah. What is one piece of advice you would give to an individual or an institution seeking to be a better ally or advocate for the LGBT plus community? I think the first thing is to talk to your staff. Uh, so every organisation I go into says they have no problem. So they all say, we don't care if you're gay, straight, blue, black, whatever, we just want you to do the best job you can. And it's a real kind of optimistic position to take, but is often based on zero evidence. And I can walk into this organisation at Stonewall and say, I don't think we've got a race problem. I think we're fine and I'm white. So until I talk to my black staff, then I couldn't possibly make that judgment. So first thing, talk to your LGBT staff. The second thing is do just have a look on Stonewall's website. We have so much stuff and it's just kind of getting you thinking. And it's really moving away from that kind of passive acceptance to a more active acceptance of the difference in your workplace. And that shift from passive to active is revolutionary and culturally exciting if it's done well. So you're obviously leaving the role as CEO. What's the, I guess, the one piece of advice you would give to a new CEO? Well, I think a new CEO at Stonewall has to balance the role of a figurehead with a manager and don't underestimate the time you should spend internally as well as externally. The thing I wish I'd known in 2014 is that no time is wasted spent inside an organisation. And I think I often thought that my job was to be out there. And it is a lot to be out there, but I could be in here as well. And I kind of took a third, a third, a third. Staff, stuff and strategy. And I probably should have done half stuff and strategy out there and half staff. Good advice. And lastly, what is your superpower? My superpower is to be able to give a speech with no notes and no notice for an hour, which has proved remarkably important in my job where I often do four of those a day. Fabulous. And you enjoy it. I do. I love it. I love it. Well, Ruth, it has been such a pleasure. Really great to connect, hear your advice about how to be a great leader, what you do differently, and the importance of the clitorati. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ruth. Thanks, Hayley. You've been listening to the Work and With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, 